Live to tape. This is Millennial Season 4. I'm Andrew. I'm Elisa. I'm Laura. And I'm Matt. Wow. Welcome to Season 4, everybody. 2018. 2018 divided by 4 equals 504.5. Didn't check out like I thought it would, but that's okay. Uh, Good to be back with everybody. Lots to talk about. Let's talk about it. Oh, okay, sure. See, we didn't do it with a theme song this week, and now we're all thrown off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really what did I try to tell you? I tried to tell you. Been doing it for four years now, uh, and you're surprised. Well, I have a lot of, I have a lot to talk about, so I'm just gonna jump into it. Um, first of all, we hope everybody had a good holiday, no matter what you celebrated, and a good New Year's, a safe one. Uh, I was off social media for good 10 days and it felt really good i did it last year as well and i i still had my phone but i deleted my instagram app twitter facebook snapchat email all that i i just felt so cleansed um you do feel those urges from time to time to still get into the apps like you pick up your phone and you expect to do something but you can't (laughs) So then you just turn it off and try to find something else to do. So it's refreshing. And it felt so good to not be on Twitter after a full year of looking at all this Donald Trump shit on Twitter. It felt so good to not know what was going on. And it was funny. I actually began liking Donald Trump because I didn't know what he was doing. So I just felt like, well, why is he so bad? I mean, he seems fine to me. That's because uh, uh, and uh, and I've decided that um, so I I know you all like how I break big news to you on uh, Facebook Messenger. You know, Bannon is Bannon is out, stuff like that. Um, I've decided to unfollow all the political accounts that I normally follow. So I will no longer be on top of it as I once was. So you no longer will be getting these notifications for me. I'm sorry. And so now we will know nothing ever yeah basically yeah or why did you why did you decide to unfollow them i have found it very stressful and anxiety inducing to be Mm -hmm. following a lot of these political twitter accounts and everybody's getting up in a fuss about things left and right nonstop. and look i'm all for resisting and getting pissed off but it's just the constant being constantly inundated with it i just it felt so good being away from it that I decided I want to continue being away from most of it mm. now that I'm back. So I've stopped actually using Instagram and Twitter ever since Facebook announced that they were not going to do it in chronological order as much uh, when they introduced like what you've missed and all that shit mm-hmm. because it's confusing. It It is. And that was actually what pissed me off about being away from Instagram for 10 days, I didn't think it'd be a problem once I got back. But this stupid algorithm, now that I'm back on it, it's showing me posts from a week a week ago because it knows I didn't see them. I'm like, no, I don't want to see those posts from a week ago. because I, I left to avoid those. Don't show me them now. It was really bad. Like, even today, I'm still getting stuff that is a week old. Yeah. Anyway. Then, yeah. Wait, did you delete your mail, too? That's Email, is yeah. That, is that considered social media? 
Well, it's just getting away from stress, you know? New year, new me. <laughs> but um, this is unrelated to the social media break, but Laura, I am officially following in your footsteps. I am, I am deeply in the process of buying a home. it's gonna happen a lot sooner than i thought too everything's just kind of been working out um i don't want well i don't want to get into details yet because it's not completely together but there's there have been big things happening and uh i don't know what laura's talking about it's been quite easy so far so i should have an update in a few more weeks but yeah it's exciting and i mean you you also don't have like over a hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt, so that's true. It's a that different was... story for yeah. you. Yeah, um, I'm glad to hear it though. I'm very Thanks. excited to hear about your experience. Uh, do you have a closing date? I do, Possibly? but wow, I, I don't want to reveal it because I feel I feel like I'm jinxing it. Holy okay. shit! I didn't know any of this. <laughs> what is there? I didn't. What? I haven't okay. said anything. I didn't know. I know that. That's what I'm saying. You didn't say anything. Here I am thinking, oh, he's like narrowed down which neighborhood he wants to live in now. <laughs> no, bitch found a fucking house. I need pictures. Well, okay, I will send you pictures. I, I love this place. It checks all the boxes. Um, I, I toured it this past weekend. It exceeded my expectations. So I put an offer in straight away because there was apparently some other activity going on with offers. Um and yeah, I mean, I do have a closing date. It's is over it, m- are you still planning on staying in the location you're at now? Is it in Chicago? It's, it's in Chicago. Yes, it's not in this particular neighborhood. Um, I gotta say, I I would never have p- pinned you as the kind of person that would buy a house in the Midwest. I'm loving Midwest living. The cheese curds, the friendly spirits. Uh, but you can only get in Illinois. Well, no, that's uh, cheese curds you actually get in Wisconsin, which I also enjoy. I really do like the Midwest life. It's been good so far. I love living on the lake and I'm going to continue to do that in my new place. Um, So I'll share I'll get into more details in the episodes ahead. And yes, Laura, I'll share some, uh, you know, maybe some tips like you did Mm -hmm, for people also looking. I what what I'm really curious about and we can move on. uh, What year was it built? It's pretty old building, but it was all updated. About ten yeah, years no, ago. I mean, it's a condo, right? Or is it a house? It's a condo. Uh top floor, updated about ten years ago. It's about I think it was just like a hundred year old building. Oh it my god, I love that. Yeah, it's it's old Chicago. It's classic Chicago. But it's not a shithole inside. See, I that's why that. I love that. I mean, my place was built in sixty two. Mm-hmm. So I'm also into that older vibe. Me too. I am. Yeah. At least I get a load of these fuckers. I know. I'm over here, like, and, like these guys are like, oh, my fucking mortgage and shit. And like, <laughs> I have like done tips for you. Yeah, all the tips boil down to one thing: have money. Just have it. Have, <laughs> have money. enough. Money. Have money. I yeah. That's I. I'm I'm super excited. Thank you. Yeah, me too. I'm. Did <laughs> you not? Did you not hear my that entire arc I went through last season? Where the whole reason that I was having this issue is because I don't have money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so why'd they let you? What the hell did you do? It it became about being very Short financially sa- savvy with the money that I did have. Huh. <laughs> yeah. What does that mean? 
that we don't means, have to get into it, but yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I mean, I didn't do anything illegal. If that's what you're thinking, <laughs> I just mean like <laughs> I'm not Trump. I didn't evade my taxes, but it means that I had a few months of my life where all of my money went straight into savings. I did not enjoy any form of entertainment for months. Yeah. It was hell, but it was worth it. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, I'll update everybody, and uh, I'll I'll be closing in a little over a month, um, and I'll update people in the weeks ahead once I'm absolutely sure this is actually happening. But <laughs> so far, so good. Um, but the highlight of my break was when I received a simming mug in the mail. Finally, at, at, yeah, after a year and a half, we all remember. Well, most of us should remember the joke. Uh, we, we defined simming as eating a donut off of a penis. And then for my birthday, I believe it was, you all surprised me by upvoting the definition on Urban Dictionary. And then we noticed on Urban Dictionary, you can make a mug out of any definition. And Laura had promised me that she would buy the simming mug for me. And for some reason she never did. We still don't understand why. And then fast forward to the end of this year, somebody sent one to the MuggleCast PO box because they only that was the only address they had for me. It was addressed to me, but Eric, my MuggleCast co-host, opened it anyway, which is like illegal. But anyway, um, he opened it up and then sent me pictures, but it didn't have like a from note. So I didn't know who it came from. And then uh, they came forward and it turned out she had actually emailed us. We had just missed it. Um, at MuggleCast. So I want to thank Natalie. She said she drunkenly ordered the Simming Mug. <laughs> so That's th- amazing. Thank you for drunk ordering that. I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you, Natalie, for picking up my slack. It's okay. It's okay. Um, <laughs> but but that was the... I used that mug to have my very, very first coffee of 2018. Coffee and a donut, which I then put on a penis and ate. Well, hmm. Pixar didn't happen. Okay. Yeah. I'll get on that because it didn't happen yet. Yeah. Elisa, you went to Hawaii. How was it? Uh, it was great. It was wonderful. But now that I'm back to reality, I almost wish I hadn't gone because it's like just treacherous trying to like get back into different time zones. I feel like I... I've had the hardest time sleeping. I've only been back for what, three days? I've only been back for three days. And I've had the hardest time sleeping. I didn't sleep one iota last night, not one minute. Mm. So I'm running on fumes. The trip was great, though, except for getting there. There's something about me and planes <laughs> that just don't jive. Um, this time, I didn't see you know, the engine catch on fire and there were no masks dropping from the ceiling and you know, the death, the death silence that I've described so many times, but there was a four hour delay. So they, they made us board the plane. We sat there for 40 minutes 
Then they announced there was a mechanical issue. Immediately, I just go into a coma because I'm thinking, this is it. This is how I die. I've been through this before. I know what it looks like. I know what it feels like. I'm not getting on a plane. I try to get off the plane. Thankfully, they make us get off the plane anyhow. (laughs) Um, So we're sitting at the gate. I'm twitching out like a fucking drug addict. And I keep asking the people at the gate, like, what kind of mechanical problem? Are we going to get on this plane? Do you have a different plane? Um, Four hours go by and there was still like something wrong with the plane. They actually did end up finding us a different aircraft. Thank God. Which by the way, my mother who had been keeping her shit together up until that point, when they announced that they had a different aircraft for us, she was so relieved that she didn't have to get on the mechanical failure airplane she she kind of like burst into tears and started tearing up and was like thank you god <laughs> it was that it was that stressful um so there was all of that happened we were four hours delayed and then we get on the plane finally we're in the air i always count down 40 minutes because statistically you're most likely to crash and die in the first 40 minutes so as soon as we met <laughs> Minute 41. I'm sitting as soon as I hit minute 41, I relax, I get a drink, I pull my chair back, and I'm living the high life. I'm ready to put on a movie, browse the internet, except the TV's not working. <laughs> Ten minutes later, they make an announcement. They're in flight entertainment on an eleven hour flight. Eleven hours from, from Maryland to, to Hawaii. Their in-flight entertainment system was broken. There was no Wi-Fi, no TV, no movies, not even one of those in-flight maps so you can see what the fuck you're flying over. (laughs) So my brother and I are sitting there the entire flight looking out the window, guessing which state we could possibly be in. That looks like Montana. (laughs) Who the fuck knows? Um, So it was 11 hours of, of absolute misery because we hadn't prepared for that. We were really banking on having something to watch and some wi-fi and whatever so we just we sat there miserable cursing united airlines um but too long didn't read we got there safely and uh it was it was a great trip otherwise well how the hell is a maryland to hawaii flight 11 hours because it's like six from la to hawaii and it's like four or five from east coast to west coast so that's a lot far yeah it is yeah it's really far dude and we're lucky that we had a direct flight you know you you tack in like a layover and it's a long ass day right i mean the trip trip was totally worth it i i went on an atv ride uh through like the the big um valley where they filmed jurassic park oh Um, that was cool yeah it was badass i actually have to show you guys some pictures maybe um uh, for palace intrigue on on patreon i'll post some of those photos and i actually have a video of me my brother and my boyfriend running away from like this fake dinosaur (laughs) in like the actual valley where they filmed that it was awesome so it was a good trip totally would yeah Yeah. that is very cool um actually big question though did united give you like a credit because the entertainment wasn't working no so fuck these guys because they don't apologize one time to us we get off the plane and the pilot as we're walking off the plane is just like yeah i would complain if i were you yeah (laughs) 
super casually and they and and they said go to unia.com slash appreciation like well that's irony at its finest and the best part is i did go to unia.com slash appreciation to file a complaint and try and get some kind of you know recompense and the link doesn't work like they, oh they, no they told me we have no record of your flight or your ticket number <laughs> so it's the, a mess the reason i say that is because i Maybe. used to be loyal to virgin america and when the in-flight entertainment system happened they handled it a couple different ways one time when we landed they 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 uh what's the saying they they bit it right in the head or whatever um, they said, we're giving everybody a $25 credit for the inconvenience. So that was added onto our accounts automatically. Another time, they bought everybody like a free round of drinks or maybe the whole flight, the drinks were free as a way of compensation. So they do, at least Virgin America does that. I would think United would give you a credit. If you go and complain on Twitter, they'll probably give you a, a credit. They're, these I... airlines usually have good support on Twitter. Yeah, but her I airline doesn't, mean... her, her flight didn't even exist. Yeah, they literally said we have that no record of your flight. <laughs> yeah, it was some Twilight Zone shit. But I'm glad to hear that that's not out, like super out of the norm, Andrew. Because mm-hmm. I I am a United Mileage Plus member, so I logged into my account and submitted a complaint through there. And I said to them, like, you guys didn't even offer me water. Like, we waited at the gate for four and a half hours. Like, uh, you didn't give me shit. It's super fucked up. And it was it was it was funny because when they made the announcement over the intercom that their in-flight entertainment system was just broken and we were going to sit there for 11 hours that was when they were serving up with the first round of drinks and i'm sitting in like fucking coach and so they're like um i asked if i can have like the whole can and she's like yeah it's 50 cents though for the whole can what what i'm like are you kidding me yeah are you kidding me right now are you serious? Like you know, I'm on this plane for the next eleven hours with you. Like I will fuck someone up. Yeah, I mean, just be glad that they didn't compensate you by beating the shit out of you. That's and true. Dragging you off the plane. Mm-hmm. Laura, how was your break? Um, it was good. I became a nurse. Oh, what? Woo! Yeah. Um, I I got a crash course. It was awesome. I thought that was Matt's thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I stole it. I'm a trendsetter. Yeah, Matt's used to me taking his ideas. Um, so, like buying a house. Yeah, <laughs> let, let me paint a picture for you. So it's December 23rd. It's Christmas Eve Eve. I go over to my boyfriend's. I brought him some takeout because I had been out with friends. Brought him some pho. And he like takes the soup, sits at his on his um, couch, and is like eating the soup on his coffee table. So he's kind of perched on the edge of the couch. And he's like drinking the soup and he's like leaned over and all of a sudden out of nowhere, his back starts fucking spasming and he's like crying out in pain and then he like can't move. He like literally can't straighten out his back and he's just stuck. And I'm like, oh my God, A, I didn't know you were 80 years old and B, are you dying? And it turned out that he has a pinched sciatic nerve, uh, which sucks and is incredibly painful. We laugh about it now because it's like gotten much better. But at the time, shit was not funny. We spent Christmas Eve 
in in the ER. Uh, oh, he no. had to get a, like a whole bunch of shots in his butt, which was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. And uh, after that, he was like <laughs> super high on Christmas Day on muscle relaxers, which was also kind of funny. Um, but a lot of the break was just us watching Netflix because he couldn't walk. Yeah. And it so <laughs> I ended up being like a live-in nurse, but it was actually really nice. We had a good time. We got to spend a lot of time together, so I can't complain. Good. And I'm sure he's super grateful for everything you did for him. Did you guys do like one of those nurse role-playing scenes that like you see in porn? No, so he's he's not in any <laughs> any shape to be acting out of porno right now. I see. So, yeah. He can't get hard. Uh, Is it that bad? Oh, oh no, no, no. That's not a problem. Mm. Just I like I don't see a problem then. Maybe... <laughs> right. What's the problem? <laughs> the problem is that any physical movement hurts him, like causes him immense pain. All right. Some people like that. Yeah, yeah. like that's people's fetish. Yeah, I mean, we can't, we're not, we're not like we're gonna hit our one year mark here pretty soon, but I think it's still too early for that kind of kinky stuff. So right. we'll wait. All right. Uh, just, to I, just to let you know, Laura, um, the longer a relationship goes, mm-hmm. the kinkiness doesn't get bigger. Yeah. More. Uh, okay. <laughs> Laura that's makes not, the difference. That's not the direction to go. <laughs> not for most people, anyway. I think Laura yeah. and Mark have something special or something sick. What's your ship name, Lark? Mara? I think Mara's better. Yeah, that does sound better. Yeah. Matt, did Not you like do anything? Did you become a nurse? Uh, no, I no. It's it's a longer process for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, not to discredit Laura and her abilities, but um, no, my my break was pretty much non-existent. I because I I work full time and also school started right when our break started, so I got the iPhone X. Like that's what I treated myself to, but. Ooh, um, okay. Yeah. Other than that, like, <laughs> such a fucking boring ass life. Where's Why my emoji, bitch? Haven't you sent me a pooping, like a pooping emoji? Yeah. The fuck. Oh, that's right. That I haven't even tried it yet. Oh my god, Matthew. That's the best feature, worth twelve hundred fifty dollars. I've I've been still trying to like learn how to like operate the phone because there's no fucking button apparently. I didn't know about that. And like you have to, <laughs> I didn't know about you that. To, like, you, you basically have to that? rim the the iPhone screen just to get to your <laughs> contacts. I still don't even know how to fucking close my apps because. Okay. Whoa. 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 Okay. You swipe up from the bottom. Yeah, to it's get the, to the same as screen. it was before. It's, you just yeah. don't okay. double click. I, yeah, but how do you don't how do you force quit? Apps? Apple is purposely making it harder because it's actually bad for the phone. Well. Okay, well, Laura and Alisa were giving me so much shit last year when we were hanging out that I never closed out my apps. Well, do you trust them, especially Elisa? I mean, I guess well, Laura's, Laura's a little a tech savvy. No, so I to, mean, to f- you don't have you shouldn't leave hundreds of apps open all the time. I have heard that it's bad completely, and that's why they made it harder in iPhone 10 to do it. Now, if your if your app freezes then yes, you should force quit. And there is a way to do that, like the old way. Um, you bring up the multitask switcher, switcher, and then you hold the app, and then a little minus button comes up in the top left. Mm-hmm. So that's the oh, way to do it, Matt. But they, oh, they, look at that! 
but they added a step because they were trying to discourage people from doing it. That is my understanding. Well, fuck them. All right. Well, everybody had a good break. Mm-hmm. And like I yes. said, listeners, hope you did too. It is a new year. That means new laws across the country. I always look forward to these. Yeah. And on top of that, I wanted to share some good laws. Everything we're about to talk about here is a good law. Mm. I feel like it's it's moving us in the right direction. And we have to start with Oregon. Oh, I didn't yes. I didn't realize, Oregonians, how fucking lazy you are as people so oregonians i'm i'm kidding of course kind of (laughs) oregonians in rural counties will now be allowed to pump their own gas now i want to i want to make this clear they're not going to be forced to do it they're just going to be allowed to do it and it's not even statewide it's like literally in rural counties and oregonians have lost their fucking minds over this shit if you read any news story about this the comments are literally people freaking the fuck out being like i'm 62 years old and i've never pumped gas in my life i don't even know how and it's like i'm sure some of them are kidding and it's dramatic effect but there are enough of them that i'm like holy shit i did not realize that pumping your own goddamn gas was such a production so you just sort of get used to it i i have some experience with these feelings because in New Jersey, it's actually the law that somebody else pumps your gas. And I hate it in hindsight because um, sometimes you'll be sitting there either waiting for somebody to come over to you when you could just get your ass out of the car and do it yourself. Or B, what I find even worse is when the, the tank is filled up, it's done, and you're sitting in the car waiting for the guy to come back and pull the thing out of your car. And say goodbye. I mean, sometimes you can be waiting multiple minutes for this, and it's very yeah, frustrating. I don't, like I don't like that at all. Yeah. Most of the time when I pump my own gas is because I'm in a rush, and I like I forgot that I still need to pump gas, and I'm like late for work or for an appointment or something. But in California, there aren't places where you get your gas pumped for you. No, I'm actually surprised that it's, it's even in Oregon. I thought this was like an East Coast thing. Yeah, I didn't realize this either. But I mean, I, I guess I just don't understand it. Now, to be fair, I think that there are certain arguments that can be made for having gas station attendants do this, like for the elderly or the disabled or people who have a car full of children that they need to corral. Like, I understand the where it's beneficial there. So I'm not saying that we shouldn't have this at all, but I don't I, I'm like. Pump your own fucking gas. Well, yeah, I'm like, why Why is it a big deal for a fully functional adult to pump their own gas? It's not a safety risk. It's not rocket science. So I think this is good. Pump your own goddamn gas. I think uh, people are just so set in their ways that it's kind of jarring. Um, And my last point on this is that I think in New Jersey, they have this and they keep it because it is a job creator. It keeps people employed. Very simple job, but it's a job. I guess. You can make that argument for a lot of things, though. Oh, yeah. Anyway, uh, on to some other news over in Nevada. Um, They, starting in 2018, are actually requiring employers to grant up to 160 hours of leave 
per year to employees who are victims of domestic violence. Oh, that's sweet. I love this. Um, and to be honest with you, I'm not even sure what the impetus for this was. It just sort of happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that we have a few listeners who live in Nevada. I think actually they prefer that you say Nevada. Um, so let us know, like, was this something that was you were able to vote on or was this strictly passed in your state legislature? Um I think it's pretty damn cool. Yeah. Because Mm -hmm. I don't think that most companies would do this unless they were forced to do so. So, Um, and kind of piggybacking on that, New York is going to allow up to eight weeks of family leave. So that's not just for uh, mothers. That's just for anyone um, for bonding with a newborn an adopted child or caring for an ill family member. Thank God. Yeah, I know, right? Um, this should really set a standard for what other states uh, or how other states approach things like maternity leave. Maternity leave, we just need family leave. Um, fathers have a right to bond with their newborn children too. If you're caring for you know, an elderly or ill relative, you should be able to get paid time off to do that. Um Pretty much every other developed country in the world has this, and they actually give more time than eight weeks. I have friends in Europe who, when they had their child, both of them, they got like three or four months of paid family leave. And then on top of that, the mother was able to take an extended leave from that to spend more time with the child and Mm -hmm. still receive a percentage of her pay. So I think that we need to be approaching these kinds of issues in a more human way. And I applaud New York for doing so. I applaud the fact that it's paid family mm-hmm. leave, mm-hmm. not just family leave, because a lot of states, counties, et cetera, um, or, and even private companies will allow you to take um, family leave, but you're not getting paid for that time. And yeah. so it's putting, it's putting parents new parents in a position of having to choose between providing for their child or raising their newborn child. Um, and that's really not a decision that anyone should have to make. So, I mean, kudos to New York for doing this. I agree with Laura. This needs to be adopted like yeah. nationally and it know, needed to happen like yesterday. I do know of a, a few new parents who they just couldn't afford both of them to go on unpaid time leave or anything. So one of them, like the father just kept, going full-time and the mother just stopped working altogether because she couldn't afford, they couldn't afford someone to look after their child. And I think that the family part of this, instead of saying maternity leave really is key. Like we need to be giving fathers and the men just as much time off as the women. Number one, because it's only fair because that's just the right thing to do. But number two Because what does it say about us as a society if we're implicitly suggesting that only women care for the children? I think that by not giving men equal time off for for leave when they have a child, you're sort of implicitly putting all of the onus of raising that child on the woman. It's her job to do it. It's her job to change the diapers and feed her or him. And it's her job to, you know, 
have her career suffer and et cetera. So it's actually kind of really sexist in the woman's direction to not give men the time off as well. So I want us to start moving away from the language of maternity leave and towards family leave as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, to Elisa's point, it's also damaging for men, this idea that masculinity is dependent upon a disconnection with child rearing. Yeah. That's really fucked up. Men should be allowed to be as involved in their children's lives as their partners. Yep. If they want to. I, I Hopefully mean, they want to. <laughs> I mean, if you if you wanted to put your dick in that, then you should have anyway. <laughs> Good point. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh moving on to Illinois. This is one of my favorites. Illinois is now requiring public schools to provide feminine products free of charge for students in grades 6 through 12. That's awesome. Yeah, so starting this year, that's going to be available in uh, bathrooms. I I can confirm. I checked out those bathrooms in the public schools here in my home state of Illinois, and it's legit. Just (laughs) walked into a random sixth grade girls room? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I did it at night. And yeah. uh, added some equipment in there to monitor, okay. make sure it stays. Uh, and you know, Illinois has also passed a law banning Andrew Sims from its <laughs> public schools. <laughs> One more, actually. Uh, this just in from the Trump administration. All gay households are required to have simming mugs in their kitchen cabinets. I think mm. that's great promo for the show. That's like mm-hmm. the first thing that this administration's done I agree with. <laughs> <laughs> Time now for some AP choices from our top supporters over at patreon.com slash millennial. Jared writes, can we talk about how after the Golden Globes, the media is now throwing around the idea of Oprah running for president in 2020? It was a wonderful speech she made during the Golden Globes, and she is breaking boundaries. She's not a candidate. The DNC should run for president. She has no legislative experience. Celebrities running for high office just because they can is not a trend we should be supporting. There's a problem when we don't break, when we don't elevate black women or black voices in general in the party, then we're just like, oh, hey, Oprah should run. I completely agree. This reminds me of the the discussion that people have about The Rock possibly running in 2020. And everyone's defense for this is like, well, he can't be worse than Trump. And I'm like, yeah, he still is not qualified to run a country. We shouldn't be stooping to that level of being like, well, they did it, so now we can do it. No. We have to rise above, and we have to do better. Having said that, if for some fucking bizarre reason in 2020 Oprah was running against Donald Trump, I would, of course, vote for Oprah because I would literally vote for a bowl of oatmeal instead of vote for Trump. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, say- I agree. This sucks. I would support my mailman over Donald Trump for president. So the bar is set pretty low, but I have to say, I'm actually, I love Oprah. I'm a pretty big fan. I remember like coming home from high school, I watch her show pretty, pretty regularly. Um, I just think she's, she's such an inspirational figure. She worked in Baltimore for a really long time, which is where I'm from. So she's kind of like a hometown hero. And, um, I mean, she came, she just, she just comes from like abuse and poverty and she is just the embodiment of like 
you know, the American dream, but she's even better than that. She's such a great person. It's like, no one's questioning that. But this whole idea that, like, every cool person who's overcome something and happens to be particularly eloquent um, to her favor should run for president is crazy to me. I was really taken aback by this today, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. Like, I kind of feel like, the democratic party has, has got to be better than just throwing out random celebrity. Even if that celebrity is somebody that we admire, we have to be better than that. I feel like public office is one of the few or maybe the only um, career these days where having zero experience and zero qualifications is a selling point. And I really don't get that. That does not resonate with me. I, I understand that you want somebody who you can relate to, who's like the every man or the every woman. And I understand, I understand that, but having, but basing, you know, someone who's going to be making huge decisions off of like a uh, cult of personality seems incredibly ill-advised and irresponsible. And we can't on one hand condemn the Republican party for doing that with Trump. And then on the other hand, do it ourselves as liberals. Now that's again, not to say that Trump and Oprah are the same thing. They're not even close to the same thing. Um, I would adopt Oprah or make her adopt me if I could. I love her, but we, but we have to hold ourselves to the same standard to which we hold everybody else. Right. Right. And I think part of the reason this spiraled out of control, I mean, first of all, you look on Facebook last night, People were like, Oprah 2020. Yeah, it was definitely a good speech, but she wasn't running to be president. She was giving a good speech on the state of Hollywood and workplace misconduct. It, so I think it's out of place for people to start calling for her to be president. And then, then of course, Stedman, the guy she bangs, um, they're not married. She's, he's just the guy she bangs, uh, you know, comes in and is like, if the people want her to do it, I think she'll do it. So, you know, that uh, put fuel on the fire and it just really spun out of control i love oprah i would want her to adopt me like elisa but no i don't want her to run for president we don't need two celebrities competing against each other yeah well speaking of trunk trump zach says trump's tweets have become crazier and crazier something i don't think any of us could have imagined what do you think will come first impeachment mental breakdown or his age and unhealthy lifestyle choices catching up with him Glad you guys are back. And speaking of Zach, I think this is the same Zach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he requested that we read some of his recent tweets like Valley Girls, which we thought was a great idea. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's an insult to Valley Girls. Let's be clear. It is. They're all mm-hmm. so much smarter than he is. Like <laughs> legit. Um. Yeah. His tweets do seem like they've become crazier and crazier, though. I do feel like it comes in waves depending on what's going on. Um, on of course, they've been extra, right? Fox News is definitely an influence. But just, they've been getting crazier, like, right now because of this new book that we're going to talk about in a few minutes. Yeah. And he's also going to have a um, a health uh, reevaluation, isn't he? Pretty he's soon. Get, he's getting a, a medical, what's that called? Like a... Yeah, some sort medical of medical examination or yeah, something. annual checkup that I believe the results are going to be reported, but you know, they might be spun. <laughs> he is the healthiest person who eats McDonald's nightly 
on this planet. <laughs> yeah, because he's afraid his food is going to be poisoned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's anyway. Yeah, I mean, I to be honest with you, Zach, I don't know what's going to come first. I really don't. Any of those things is a is as good a guess as any. I don't think any of them are going to happen. They're all they're all just liberal wank dreams, just like this idea of Oprah becoming president. He's not going to be impeached unless maybe we we swing the House and the Senate. Um, mental breakdown. He's already having those, and that hasn't stopped him. His age, yeah, and his unhealthy lifestyle, yeah. But then we're stuck with Pence in theory, and that's not good. So I don't want no, those two things to it's, happen. It's not. It's not. And like, I've seen this argument from a lot of people saying that they think that we're going to be worse off with Pence. And don't get me wrong. I wouldn't be excited about the prospect of Mike Pence being the president. But at the very least, the one thing that it would change is I wouldn't be afraid of World War Three getting started on fucking Twitter. Right. And I would also say that you, you're stuck with pence now anyway Mm -hmm. if you think that pence isn't running the domestic agenda behind the scenes you're crazy like the trump campaign actually like this is this is public knowledge like it was well fucking reported when it happened pence or the, the trump campaign rather actually told pence when they were trying to get him on board listen the donald is kind of like a figurehead here we want you to be in charge of like the policy agenda and you know be making all the moves um in in the substantive sense of of the word and he was like okay so like you already got pence this is pence like you think do you think donald trump has the the capability to moderate pence i don't think so so mm-hmm. i think you, right now you have both um so if we were somehow if if for some reason, you know, he were to be impeached or um, if he were to just resign for that matter. I've seen a lot of people saying that that's a possibility. He, like the pressure just gets to him and he just resigns for whatever the whatever reason. Um, at least you don't have both anymore. Yep. Yeah. All right. So how about Zach's request here? Oh, uh, yes. So I'll do one. This, so, of course, in this new book that we're going to talk about, uh, his mental instability is reportedly worrying uh, advisors close to him within the White House. So he addressed these on Twitter over the weekend. So uh, Zach wants us to read these in Valley Girl voices because he talks like a freaking Valley Girl. Throughout my life, My two greatest assets have been mental stability and being, like, really smart. Crooked Hillary Clinton also played these cards very hard and, as everyone knows, went down in flames. I went from very successful businessman to top TV star to president of the United States on my first try. I think that would qualify as not smart, but genius, and a very stable genius at that. Thank you. Oh, God. Ugh. I've got one here. And this relates to what we're about to talk about here in a moment. Michael Wolf is a total loser who made up stories in order to sell this really boring and untruthful book. 
He used sloppy Steve Bannon, who cried when he got fired and begged for his job. Now sloppy Steve has been dumped like a dog by almost everyone. Too bad. Kill me. Dow just crashes through 25,000. Congrats. Big cuts in unnecessary regulations continuing. (laughs) The way you ended that with that lilt. Continuing. (laughs) I use social media not because I like to, but because it is the only way to fight a very dishonest and unfair press. Now often referred to as fake news media. Phony and non-existent sources are being used more than ever. Many stories and reports of pure fiction. (laughs) Oh, I don't even think that's a Valley Girl voice anymore. I don't want to follow that because it's so good. I know. I think I did that. One more. In the East, it could be the coldest New Year's Eve on record. Perhaps we could use a little bit of that good old global warming that our country, but not other countries, was going to pay trillions of dollars to protect against. Like, bundle up. (laughs) I added that like, but. (laughs) I think we should call this segment Bethany Trump. And I think we should continue doing it. Yes, I agree. (laughs) I think every week we should just kick off the show by reading his latest diatribes on Twitter. Yeah. So Laura, tell us what's going on with this book, Fire and Fury. Yeah. So Fire Fire and Fury, I'm sure, you know, we'll give the Reader's Digest version here because I'm pretty sure everybody knows what this is at this point. But basically, um, this is by a reporter named Michael Wolf. Uh, He's from The Hollywood Reporter, but he's also previously worked for other publications. And he was given unfettered access to the white house uh the oval and the west wing for the first several months of the trump administration and now he's coming out with a book um this book that includes hundreds of interviews um with with information as significant as trump didn't think that he was going to win the election to um Ivanka Trump talking about how Trump uses just for men, which gives him that uh, beautiful glowing hair color that he has. Um, So there's just, there's a lot of information in there. Most of it is to be honest with you, stuff that people already knew and or suspected. Um, First, I wanted to ask, did anyone buy it? Did any of us purchase this or read it? Uh, No, no, I haven't. (laughs) I, I've read a lot of excerpts about yeah. it from it. I've not read the actual book. Same Me too. Here. But I am planning on buying it because I want to help make this a New York Times bestseller. <laughs> so my, my question is, and I, I don't know if I'm going to buy it. I will definitely read it because I know people who have copies of it. Um, should we be taking this with a grain of salt? That's my first question. And it's not because I don't think that there's some truth here. And we'll get into that in a second. Um, But it is worth noting that Michael Wolff has written similar books like about Rupert Murdoch and such in the past. And the accuracy of his reporting has been called into question. So I think that, at least in my opinion, while this is very funny and I don't think it, it's a good look for Trump. I think that we we can't be holding this book up as 
the sign that things are finally going to unravel because there's been so much actual shit that has happened that has not brought this guy down. This book is not going to be the thing that brings down the Trump administration, no matter how hilarious it is, because I feel like this book is painting a narrative that we already knew existed. Does that make sense? It does. I think, and I I think that the author, um, Michael Wolf, my understanding of his reputation and of his past works is that he's, it's not that he's a dishonest reporter. It's not that he misleads anybody or that he deliberately reports false information. My understanding is that his flaw is that he doesn't necessarily um, back up one source with another. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it's well understood within the, the journal, the journalism community that if you have a, if you have one source, you can't report just that thing. Cause then it's just hearsay. That if you have a source and they've told you something, that you have to either have some kind of proof and evidence of that, or at the very least, a corroborating source who also saw or witnessed that thing. Um, and so it's sort of like this, you have to have at least two, right? Michael Wolf is sort of known to not always get two to verify one another. And so it's not that he's, he's not that he's lying or misleading anybody. It's more a question of how how thorough is his is his reporting actually um because you can hear anything off the side of the street and if you report that as news that's not journalism that's a tabloid Uh, and so that's that's the question with this author i do think though that lars right that i think the focus on this is understandable because it's a really bad look for Mm -hmm. the trump administration um and i think that there are some there are some compelling parts about it, such as the fact that he apparently witnessed just countless senior staffers in the white house saying that they don't believe that Trump is fit for office. And that is something that I do think is worth talking about a little bit because Mm -hmm. before I think we all sort of existed in this bubble where we assumed the folks working for Trump were just ignorant to his flaws and just weren't seeing it or they were so blinded by their love and admiration for him and his policy agenda that they chose not to see it. But the the idea that they openly and regularly talk amongst themselves about his unfitness for office and that he's not able to even do the basics of the job tells us something about their character and how completely chaotic of an administration this truly is. I mean, worse than we even knew. Because now we're sort of getting this glimpse in, into their psyche where they full fucking know that Trump is not a good president and they work for him anyway. Um, I think that's worth parsing a little bit, but ultimately I think that this book is is interesting for a few minutes, but really... I'm a little, I keep getting disappointed that things like this make headlines, but other big things don't. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that the book itself is not the story, but there are tidbits from the book that definitely are. Um, Like the fact that Michael Wolff had access to Trump and the senior staff and the White House for months with no parameters. Right. He See, wasn't re- he wasn't required to agree to anything. And and that alone, this book on a whole paints a picture of a chaotic White House. 
And then the Trump administration tries to deny that. And yet you let this guy into the White House for several months. And from my understanding is that this guy, Michael Wolf, also wrote a book or wrote extensively about Rupert Murdoch. And he and Murdoch knew that this guy can flip on you. So the Trump administration, before giving him unfettered access to the White House, should have done some research into this guy. And that speaks to how chaotic this White House is. Yeah, I mean, Michael Wolff, when asked about this very thing, he was like, yeah, I went in every day being expected, like expecting to be asked to leave or to sign something. And it never happened. And there and you go. Like, you have you have a fucking reporter like you guys are terrified of the press you hate them and yet you have one sitting in the oval interacting with members of the senior staff as a matter of fact he has countless hours of recorded interviews with people including steve bannon who also Mm -hmm. um (laughs) has flipped on trump recently uh as we mentioned earlier in that tweet that we read so The thing about this that I find so interesting is the White House's reaction. So um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders came out and said this book is filled with false and misleading accounts from individuals who have no access or influence with the White House, except that's totally not true. Right. (laughs) There's evidence of this. It's It's not like he made this up. He was there. But now they're trying to pass off this narrative like he wasn't. And this White House already has a credibility problem. So, of course, most of us are not going to believe stuff that Huckabee says. And then there's also, you know, I think some pretty outrageous things that he says in this book that Trump reportedly says that's reported in this book. And I don't have Mm -hmm. them offhand. But that's another thing. Like, does that surprise anybody? Do you see what he says in public on Twitter? Of course, he's saying even worse things behind the scenes. Mm hmm. Yeah. And another thing that's pretty interesting about it is Trump's lawyers have sent cease and desist letters to Michael Wolff and also to Steve Bannon. But like, has anybody ever told Trump's lawyers what sending a cease and desist letter means? Because when you send a cease and desist letter, you're you're admitting at least partial truth. Right. To the claims being made against you. Right. And the reason this is so stupid is because every other administration in modern history has had a book like this put out about them. Mm -hmm. Every single one. It happened to Obama. It happened to Bush. happened to Clinton. And you want to know what the difference was? They didn't fucking acknowledge it. The fact that they're acknowledging this and trying to get out in front of it and trying to discredit this is making them look actually guilty. And like... snowflakes yeah he's like he really he can't like he's incapable of not responding yeah it just floors me he's i mean that that is the definition of insanity is like doing the same thing over and over again with no success yeah anyway well i am gonna read the book i think (laughs) it sounds like a pretty good read and uh, it's at least entertaining, if nothing else. Yeah. Also, in terms of how much is truthful, I've seen a few journals speaking about it and saying, you know, yes, it's not all true, but a lot. But there is a lot of truth in there. Yeah. So, and you know what? I think it is catharsis 
to read mm-hmm. something like this. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're if you're part of the resistance, it's definitely um, going to give you an outlet and it's going to make you feel vindicated. That's all totally valid. I would just caution people not to get excited and hold this up as what's going to bring the Trump administration down because it's not. No. I agree. I would also say Laura's mm-hmm. correct that that we need to be careful when we're assessing pieces like this. It's easy to sort of get caught up in, in I don't know, I guess excitement for lack of a better word um, when stuff like this drops. But the press and journalism has never been more under siege in our times than it is now. And that just means it's even more incumbent upon us to take our sources seriously and to hold them accountable to actually being journalists. And the minute that we fail to do that, if we just, if we read something and take it as gospel, just because it reinforces our ideas and our narrative and makes us feel good without doing our due diligence and making sure that it's accurate and correct, then we're really just empowering the Trump administration further because anytime something is misreported, anytime something is misquoted, that is fodder for them to say, look at that. That's fake news. Journalism is going downhill. Reporters suck. And it gives them, it gives them energy and it gives them fodder to further attack a free and independent press. And so we can't let them do that. The best way we can, we can stop them from doing that is, is to be careful about who we believe and to actually only support real authentic journalists uh, and not just tabloid rumors. Are we real or are we tabloid? We being oh, millennial. We're totally fake. Okay. Just, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> I wasn't sure I was aware of that, but okay. No. Everything is a lie. We're we're we are commentators with a very strong liberal bias. We do. That's what that's what I would say about us. It's a correct bias though. Yeah. Yeah, we're right. <laughs> Well, we have a lot more to talk about in the weeks and months ahead. We're just getting started here on season four. Thanks, everybody, for uh, surviving the new year and (laughs) returning to Millennial. In After Dark today, I found this great report from the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. This was real information about what people got stuck up inside their assholes in 2017. This is data from hospitals. Oh, you mean literally? Literally, for real. Okay, what? this is this is this is striking too close to home for me. I uh, yeah, good good thing uh, I was looking for a report about you in here. I couldn't find it, no. but we're going to talk about some other people. Uh, but I want you guys to guess what got stuck okay. up people's butts in 2017, and uh, we'll also talk about New Year's resolutions. But butts, but objects in butts. So look forward to that over at patreon.com slash millennial. There are lots of benefits over at patreon.com slash millennial. So we would love your support over there. Thank you very much. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Elisa. I'm Laura. And I'm Matt. See everybody next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. I'm a hazel face.